Hi, everybody. I'm George Siegel. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's Tell Us How to Make It Better podcast. When I made my documentary film, The Last House Standing, after Hurricane Michael in 2018 and the big fires out in Malibu and Paradise, California the same year, we went around and talked to the victims of the disaster and heard their stories and what they experienced afterwards. But we didn't get the whole rebuilding experience because we had to leave town and, and deal with that film. So I'm trying to go back and revisit what it's been like for some of these people. And the stories are just unbelievable in what it's taken for them to rebuild their homes. One of the people we spoke with back then was Sabrina Downing, whose house in Malibu, California, was burnt completely to the ground. And we did the interview on the slab where her house used to be. Now, a lot of time has passed since then, and they've had quite an experience getting things back together. So my guest today is Sabrina, and she's going to talk about what that road back to normal has been like. I'm George Siegel, and this is the Tell Us How to Make It Better podcast. Your home is probably your biggest investment, and every week we show you warning signs and solutions to help you protect it. Tell Us How to Make It Better is partnering with The Readiness Lab, the home for podcasts, webinars, and training in the field of emergency and disaster services. Sabrina, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Now, when we last were with you, we were standing on an empty, scraped lot where your house used to be, and a lot of time has passed. Tell us from the moment we were there, and we were there obviously before anything had started to be rebuilt, what's this process been like for you? Well, the process was um, super hard due to the fact that COVID hit, so it kind of um, made things a little bit uh, delayed with um, meetings and uh, progress of people coming out. Um, so that kind of put a little damper in the um, situation. But um, overall, we worked through that and uh, we um, went through the permit process, which I think was probably the hardest uh, process um, of all. That took... Um, approximately 18 months to do and get. And um, basically we were just doing the like to like that we um, were building and we did um, get uh, to um, add 10%, which they gave us that option. And it would be supposedly um, more of a, you know, expedited kind of situation. Um, so we did that and, uh, it still took quite a while and we use the same footprints and we did change things um, inside um, to our liking. Um, but overall the footprint was pretty much the same. And, um, and then the rebuild um, happened after we got uh, approved for our permit and um, that was an exciting process. Um, we rented a house down the street, so we were pretty close to um, the rebuild. And so we were here quite a bit um, for that, seeing um, the progress and that was exciting. It gave us something to do, especially with COVID um, where people were locked down and you couldn't do anything. So we, we had somewhere to go, which would be coming to see our house built. And um, 
So, and I had a lot of time to think about things um, on my walks and in that journey, um, just um, brainstorming um, things of um, how to make things different. And, um, and, you know, and I think that, uh, that was, that was great. And we actually, from start to finish um, on our rebuild, it only took eight months. Now, a lot and of people that, that we, a lot of people that we spoke with, Sabrina, the, the main problems they had were getting permits and with insurance companies actually paying the claim. The, the mayor of Malibu is still litigating over his, um, over his insurance claim. So what was that process like for you? Um, well, I think that it all depends on, um, we still had a mortgage. Um, so we had to go, um, through the mortgage company along with the, um, insurance company. So we were only able to get, um, a little bit out at each time from our mortgage company. So like our contractor would be say, um, okay, we need to get paid. I need to get paid every two weeks. That was, um, the contract. And in order for us to pay him, um, the mortgage company had to release money um, for the um, for what has happened. So say if like you went in two weeks and he needed to get paid for like the flooring. And if they if they didn't see any progress, then they wouldn't be able to give you another payout. Then that would have been um, making the contract and all the building um just completely like stale, like we wouldn't be able to move forward. So the process, and then you have to have an inspector out to make sure things are going as planned and if things are progressing, but that was not able to happen. So I was the one that was the inspector. I had to go in and send, um, due to COVID, nobody could come to the house. So I had to take pictures and show that there was progress from week to week to week on my phone um, in order to get that. But um, on the other side of the all, um, we had a um, we had Allstate insurance, and I think that there weren't many people in Malibu that had that. But we had been here for a long time. We were grandfathered in, and um, it was hard at first until they saw that it was a complete total loss. And once they saw that, then they were being a little bit um, better to work with. Um, but the catastrophic um, agent that we got um, with was in New York, which was kind of hard because, um, you know, we had to deal with, you know, phone calls, which was different time zone. And, and so, um, you know, it, it was really hard dealing with that. Plus then, you know, she was paying the rental of our um, place that we were staying at. So it was a lot of phone calls and a lot of, um, you know, with all that was, it was just very time consuming, but in the, in, in the long run, um, it worked out. And yeah. uh, it sounds, it's a miserable experience all around. I mean, yeah. it's really hard to put a happy face on it, but what, what's interesting is you know, the American dream of, oh, pay off your mortgage. I think yeah. having a mortgage actually helped people because an insurance company is much less likely to fight a mortgage company than they are little old you and, you, and your husband. It's, right. it's at least you have somebody on your side that has a vested interest in seeing the project get finished. Right, right. So, 
you know, you just had to battle both of those, you know, the, you know, the, it was just, it was just like this fine balance, you know, that had to happen. And, um, and, and I was basically the one that was doing that, you know? Um, so it was a lot, you know, it, it, like I said, it kept me busy, kept me on my toes. And, um, so, but, you know, in the scheme of all things, I mean, we had an amazing house that we came back to two years, a little over two years from when it burnt down. Now, my guest um, a few weeks ago was a gentleman who lived down and lives down in Naples, Florida, where Hurricane Ian flooded his house and, and he had to have his house rebuilt. And I asked him what he did to build it differently so it wouldn't happen again. And the answer was they didn't do anything. They just rebuilt. Did you do anything right. to make your house safer from fires? Um, yeah, due to the code upgrades, um, everything had to be somewhat you know, fireproof and all the materials that they use now, um, are different, you know, and, um, we basically do have vegetation, um, you know, not right completely, you know, on the property. I mean, we do have grass. We went back with some of the, you know, some of our trees actually stayed. I mean, we, the two palm trees that are pretty fire, um, you know, they're, they go up in fire. They, they lived in our front yard. They're pretty big. Um, we kept those. Um, and then we just added other vegetation, but pretty much it was just mo most of the materials that we used and we have indoor sprink sprinklers now. Um, so that was the code that we had to have. So, so we used a lot of what that would have helped, I guess. So, who knows? if it would have like saved the house or not. But, but now that that's a regulation, we had to put them in. So, but basically I don't, I, besides that, there's nothing we really, I don't think did, you know, any differently. So how that. does that help you with your mindset now when we come up to, you know, there's been a lot of rain in California this year. So there's been a lot of growth in the Hills and everything's going to be really um, overgrown going into fire season. How does right. that make you guys feel of uh, security wise? Because there's always that threat. I grew up out there and I, we were always concerned. It wasn't a for the forefront concern. You know, you kind of just laugh it off. Right. You certainly wouldn't do that now. So how are you guys prepared? What, what's the mindset? Well, I don't know, really. Um, I mean, you just have, you're more uh, aware of like, you know, weather um, I mean, we, my husband is a retired fireman. He stayed, he fought the fire. We had water. We live in, in an area in Malibu where our water was not an issue. Um, my husband hooked up to a fire hydrant we had, but he was by himself. So it's not like we had any resource. Um, I, I mean, he did all he could now if we had more manpower, um, meaning that fire department would actually, that they, if they came, um, I think a lot of the homes would have been saved. Um, but as far as what we did, we did everything that we could at that time. And, and I, and I don't think that is, you know, it was just so random that, you know, one house burnt and the other one didn't. And, and the only thing I can think of, our house was a little bit on the older side. We never remodeled. 
we were here um, like, you know, 20 plus years. Um, the houses that didn't not burn near us, literally next door, um, were ones that actually had re been remodeled, the outside paint, the inside, and they didn't, they didn't go down. So there must have been something to the fact of um, that. Plus, um, this time we did um, close our eaves. So um, our eaves were open. And those are the type of things that if an ember gets in your roof in an eave, then that can, it smolders. And then that's what can start the roof, you know, on fire. So that is one thing that we did. We closed our eaves to make that not happen. Did you guys give any thought to like a spray foam thing where you could spray your house if a fire was coming? I know we featured that in the in the last house standing. I know those things aren't necessarily cheap, but did you guys consider that going forward? Yes. So we have our neighborhood is um, we have a, a homeowners association. And so since our neighborhood um, lost quite a few houses, we set up a um, fire brigade um, and um, put money towards um, these boxes that are sitting on several different properties near fire hydrants. Now, these boxes have the, um, the, the foam in it, the spray foam that we, we could uh, access to. They have um, uh, hoses to hook up to the fire hydrant and the keys to make that happen. And people are being prepared. We have um, monthly um, meetings and get togethers of um, practicing um, how to put out fires um, in, in if that were to ever happen again. Um, our neighborhood's very um, uh, hard to get to, uh, one way in and one way out. Um, so very likely that we probably would not have assistance unless we had, um, helicopters come in. So, I mean, I would say that we would, we would just get together and, and do what we could for as long as it's safe, safe, you know, and move forward that way. But yes, we do have, um, we are prepared a little bit more now. Now, human nature is such that people like you who were clearly victimized by this, you're going to have one sense of heightened awareness and preparation. The people who missed it and dodged a bullet almost feel a little more invincible. Do you sense a difference among the people who were damaged versus the people who were not? I do. Um, you know, it's, it's a different, I mean, I get that people have PTSD from the whole experience, whether you have a burnout or not. Um, but I think it is a very different feeling when you've had everything that you lost everything. Um, you know, house, like I said, is a house, but a home is a home and, you know, you could always rebuild and make better. And, um, which a lot of people like, look at you like, well, at least you got a great house out of it and you got everything you wanted out of it and you made it the way you want. I'm like, yes, I get that. But it's, it's the things that that were in the house that you can't bring back. And I think that is um, what I'm experiencing that I that that's hard opposed to people that didn't have that um, when their house burned down. They still have their pictures. They still have their mem memories and memorabilia and stuff like that. And so there there is a disconnect, I think, or a, there with that.
Absolutely. I, you, there's things you just can't replace from a disaster. And, mm -hmm. and nobody wants that kind of disruption for as long as your life is disrupted. I mean, COVID was disrupting enough on its own, but now factor in what you had to go through. Um, that's, that's just, it seems overwhelming. Now, did you ever give it any, any thought to moving somewhere else and just getting out of that area? No, I mean, we love it here. Everybody was um, super supportive. You know, it was amazing. The people that came out to help, um, you know, get us back with clothing and um, shoes and just being there um, for us. It was just like an amazing feeling that that support, um, regardless of like where you live, you just never know. But that support was there and um and we love love it here um and i i don't i mean we've lived here so long and we've had a few um encounters that we um you know there were fire you know fires nearby and we had to um evacuate but um but it was this was like the big one you know so um I don't, I don't think, I don't think I have that, um, that I would ever move anywhere else now. How could you explain the feeling when you wake up the day after your house burns down and you realize all, all that you're lost? Um, most people say, well, it's never going to happen to me. I think if they truly understand what you went through, they would, they wouldn't necessarily need to have it happen to them to maybe wake up and do something about it. What would you tell people to to wake them up and realize, Hey, we need to be prepared for this kind of stuff. Um, I, I mean, most of the people that are in know me and, and know what I went through, I think that they, um, you know, they know that they would like to be prepared, but I would say that you're never, you're never really prepared even if you think you're prepared, you're not because you just, it's out of sight, out of mind. I mean, unless you've experienced it, it's something that you would never think that, Oh, I should have done that. Or I should have got that. And when you're in it and you're, and you're literally um, being evacuated within like minutes, your, your mind is just, you're not even thinking correct and, and you like normal, you know? And so all you want to get out is yourself and, you know, your, your family. And if you have pets and, and that's what we did. And that's all I could say is, is that we're all alive and, um, and we didn't have to suffer any of that. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, it's really hard to, to say that for sure, you know, to tell people that. No doubt. Did your insurance skyrocket after this? Is did they? Because a lot of people in Florida after hurricanes, man, it's tough to get insurance down here for a lot of folks. What's it like in Malibu? Well, um, our insurance, like I said, was pretty amazing, and we, you know, all the only thing that we did, our insurance didn't go up much, except for the fact that it is a bigger house and it's brand new and everything's new. So we, we wanted to make um, our, um, you know, everything uh, go up a little bit, you know, for what our insurance was because of the square footage, 
was a little bit more and then everything's new inside. So we did add um, more um, insurance to our policy. Um, so we, we are paying a little bit more, but it didn't skyrocket and they didn't um, get rid of us, which I think a lot of people that didn't have burnouts that um, made claims, um, they did, they, I heard they did drop them, but, but since we've had them forever, we've kind of like grandfathered in, like that didn't happen to us. Sabrina, if you had one tip to give people so they could have some way of preparing at least better than what they're probably doing right now for uh, any kind of disaster that might come their way, what would you tell them? Well, I would tell them to go through their insurance policy and make sure they they know exactly how much it would be to for a full rebuild um, when there is a catastrophic um, loss. And then um, not only that, but then look at your contents um, of that amount. And 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 if it's if if that is not you know correct or that needs to be add you would need to add more insurance i would do that um just because of this day and age everything's more money for building purposes and um buying things you know everything's like you know so much more and um you know because we had lived here for like 20 plus years so i wanted you know who who goes back and looks at their policy to make sure that you're set if need be that you have to go through something like this. Well, that's what people I, don't, I think don't always realize. The number one goal that I've sensed with insurance, whether it's medical or whether it's with your house or your car, their goal is to find ways not to pay you if everything's not right. And you need to yeah. make it as easy as possible for them with documenting everything, understanding what you have, because if you don't, there's really nobody looking out for you, is there? No. And that's one thing. If you have very um, precious things, um, I, I that's one thing I didn't do. But I mean, if, maybe even if I did do it, it would have burnt is that go through with a video and go through your whole house of what, what you have. Because, you know, when you have to write that list of everything that's in your house, like from one to a thousand and try to remember how many like, you know, you know, like whatever jewelry boxes you had, how many rings you had, how many like necklaces, like, you know, it, it gets, it's, it's, to, it's down to that, that it's, you have to write stuff down. And so I think a video would be great. And, but you got to make sure that you got to take that with you once you, once you leave the house, when there's a, a issue, you know? Absolutely. Well, Hey, Sabrina, you were so gracious when we were out there right after the disaster. And I appreciate you coming on and and sharing this now. And um, I wish you guys uh, a success maintaining now a normal life and hoping not to have to deal with this again in the future. Yes, definitely. All right. Thanks, Sabrina. All right. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on the Tell Us How to Make a Better podcast. If you liked what you were listening to, please become a regular subscriber. Share the link with your friends and even leave a review. There's also a contact form in the show notes, and you can fill that out. If you have had an experience with recovering from a disaster, preparing for one, or just building or remodeling your house, please fill out the form and, and get in touch with me, and I'd love to share your story on the podcast. There's also a link to my film, The Last House Standing, and I'd love for you to check that out as well. Thanks again for listening. 
See you next time.